in our last lesson, uh, we learned about a father and son. The father was trying to rescue his boy. His boy was overtaken by an ignorant spirit, a dumb spirit. And this boy and his father had become so, I guess you could use the word disfigured by this spirit that there was both an internal and external change in their appearance. Mark chapter 9 and verse 17 says this. It says, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away, and throw him in the fire. I try in my mind to get a description of this boy who had been tossed into the fire probably multiple times, and obviously his physical appearance, Brother Joe, wasn't everything it was cracked up to be. If you've ever seen a burned victim, you would know that sometimes there's limbs missing, and sometimes he's really disfigured. And because his son was going through tremendous circumstances, his father was very distraught. He had probably tried different avenues to, to rescue his boy, but he really didn't know what to do. And the only one that could change the direction of both of them, their spiritual uh, well-being and their physical appearance was Jesus. When I look at this story, it reminds me of the first son that Adam and Eve had. His name was Cain. You remember Cain? Cain and Abel. And I remember how Cain's unwillingness to conform and change to God's ways, Cain was also disfigured mentally and spiritually. In Genesis chapter 4 and verses 5 through 7, it kind of gives us a little description of what happened to Cain. It says, but unto Cain and to his offering, God had not respect. Doesn't mean that God rejected him. I want you to understand that. God doesn't reject us. He just wants us to try again. And he says, and Cain was very wroth because God wanted him to try a different way. All God wants for us is to come to him on his terms. It's powerful when you think about it. And Cain was so wroth and so mad that the Bible says his outward appearance changed. He wasn't the same individual. His countenance fell. You ever see someone like that? One day they're happy. The next day they're, something happened. I might have shown that when I lost my granddaughter. It was, there was something tragic, a crisis had happened 
And where I would have been happy at one time in my life, now we were sad. Something drastic had happened. And so the Lord said unto King, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? Now God knows. God knows everything, but he wants us to come to him. He wants us to communicate with him. He wants us to talk to him. Have you ever realized that sometimes when we go through a crisis, God allows this crisis to happen so we can fall to our knees and we can approach God? Because sometimes if the crisis doesn't happen in our lives, and it shouldn't always be that way, but sometimes... We never get to the point or we never get to the place, God forbid, where we acknowledge God or need God. We think we can do it on our own. And God said, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, here's the result. Sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. In other words, sin that we should master over now becomes our master because we're not, we're not allowing God to help us. We're not conforming to God's ways. We're not coming to God. We're not looking for a cure, if you will. Does that make sense? Again, all God wants is for us to come to him on his terms so he can help us. He wants us to come to a point in our life where we have to acknowledge, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. I need you to intervene in my life. I need you to intervene in my circumstance. I've done everything I can. Now I'm coming to you when it should have really been God... <laughs> I can't even touch this. Can you help me? He's looking for a partnership, Brother Joe. He wants to work with us. He never wants to push us away. But when we feel like we're rejected, amen, because sometimes we feel like we're all alone, then we get upset and we take it out on everybody else. At least... I've done that. You might have never done that, but I've done that. And so we venture into Mark chapter 9 and verse 30, and it says, They departed thence and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it, Jesus. And Jesus taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, that they shall kill him, and after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. And they understood not the saying and were afraid to ask. But it doesn't stop there. We think, okay, they were afraid to ask, they didn't want to, ask, they didn't want to talk to him. And verse 33 says, And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, what was it that you disputed among yourselves by the way? There was more than that. But they held their peace for, 
For by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. You see that? It's amazing to me. Did they miss what Jesus was trying to teach them due to their own selfishness? Is that where we are in God's kingdom when we get upset? Or we try to get to a place without Jesus? We try to achieve success without Jesus? And then when he tries to speak to us or give us revelation, we totally miss the mark. And so 35 says, And he sat down and called the twelve and said unto him, If any man desire to be the first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. And then he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whoso shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me. And whosoever receiveth me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. It's never about the flesh. It's always about God, and Jesus always pointed toward the Father. And John asked him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils. <laughs> These guys just don't get it. In thy name, and he followed not you? Is that what it says? Mm -mm. It says he followed not us selfishness and we forbade him because he followed not us it was never about them brother joe it was never about them and it's not about us it's about kingdom priorities it's about what does god how does it benefit god how does our actions benefit god now, I will be the first to admit, I fall short in trying to understand the various methods Jesus used. And I must remind myself day after day after day after day of the words we see in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 8, where it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There it is. There it is. Whatever I think and however I try to go through life, I know God is already, He's already ahead of me. So why don't I let my selfish attitude, my selfish ways, my I-can-do-it-on-myself attitude, why don't I lay that down at the feet of Jesus and why don't I just give it all to Him? Because if I do that, I'm going to come out ahead. Because He's leading the way. He's in control of my vessel. He's in control of my ship. He's in control of my life. Anywhere I go, he is directing my path. He is the light. 
And sometimes it takes an extremely long time for someone to learn that. At least it did for me. Why? Because my thoughts, and maybe you might say your thoughts, are limited. You can only go so far. I can only go so far. And even though I feel sometimes like Jesus is distant from me, I can be assured that he is near. Yes, he is right next to me. And so I should never fear that Jesus has abandoned me, even when I feel like I'm all alone. Now we know, as mentioned earlier, that his ways are above our ways. Is it possible the reason why we are limited in our thinking is because of our own agenda, because of what we want out of life. You see, my own agenda, what I want, can cause me to wander off and divert from the real reason why Jesus saved me in the first place. Hello. Yeah. I can be diverted. You know the word wonder, and you can look it up, it really means self-deception. I can find myself in this place of wonderment. Not wondering, but wander. We wander through life. Aimlessly wander through life. Psalms chapter 55 and 7 and 8 says, Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness, a dry place. I would hasten my escape from the windy storms and tempests. Do you try to run from your trials? Do you try to get away from your crisis? Let me give you a revelation tonight. I don't care what crisis you run away from, there will be another crisis that you're going to meet in, that you're going to run into. You cannot help it. Jesus said tribulations will come. But don't worry, because I have overcome. And when he died on the cross, the power that was inside of him now is inside of us. That's why he died. He died and gave up the gold so we could inherit it. So we could be empowered to go through this life and be a testimony, because now we have the strength or the grace of God to persevere through our trials and our crisis. I'm not saying it feels good because it doesn't. I didn't enjoy seeing my granddaughter lay in that casket. I didn't. It was hurtful. But I wasn't going to run for it because I know that God has it all under control. He had it, in, he had it under control before I was born, and he'll have it under control when I'm gone. Job said, naked came I in, and naked will I return thither, and everything I have in between is a blessing from God. It is a provision from God. It is something that God has chose to give me. So I can't claim anything, Brother Joe. I came in naked, praise God, and I'm going out with nothing. All I have is salvation, 
and I depend on God's mercy for that, and he gets all the credit for that. And so I will not run from the windy storms. Amen. And I will not run from the tempest. Wandering describes a person or a thing that moves from place to place. Another example of wandering is a person walking without a destination in mind. He's just wandering, meandering, going from place to place to place to place. Doesn't take too long for us to go throughout this world, especially across the bridge, and I ain't knocking anybody with this statement, but I see people wandering all the time. They're talking to people that are not there. They're yelling to people or things, spiritual things that are not there that I can see with my visible eye. They're so far in this place of deception and possession that they're pining the way, they're, they're, they're digressing. They're so hurt mentally and spiritually that they're wasting away, they're, they're withering away. And it's simply because somewhere down the road, the relationship with God has become non-existent. How do I know that? Because God calls every man. God's Spirit draws Every man. And when we reject God, that's the result. Look at the man of Gadara. You read in Deuteronomy, I believe it's chapter 30. God says, if you serve me, I'm going to give you the fruit of the land. Your cattle are going to produce. You're going to have all these things. But if you don't, there's going to be a curse also. You're going to lose everything that I want to give you. And the man of Gadara was that example that representation of a man that lost everything. And he found himself in the catacombs. He found himself in the caves, in darkness, cutting himself. Screaming at night. Chains and fetters. And we say, wow, that's horrendous. And yet we can find ourselves in that same predicament if we lose what God is trying to do in our lives. If we wander away from the plan of God. You see, the church, the church of the living God, is never to walk or never to wander aimlessly through life without any direction. Any direction. Proverbs 16 and 9 says this, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Our heart is, is, is it's, it's deceitful. We can be deceived by our heart. I talk about emotions a lot because I'm a firm believer. God gave us emotions, but if we're driven by our own emotions, it can deceive us into doing things that we ought not to be doing. Why we need the Word of God to place in our mind so when our heart is emotional, our mind can direct us to do the right thing, to make the right choices. Everything should be founded and be foundational on the Word of God and through the Word of God. And every decision we make 
should be through God's word. Every decision. We cannot, I cannot, you cannot allow ourselves to slip in a mindset and get distracted. Distraction is something that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. That's heavy. We're all gung-ho for godly things and the kingdom of God and, and, and we're doing great and then here comes a crisis. Here comes something that totally throws us off course. And now the growth that we are experiencing and the maturity that we're experiencing in God, amen, for some reason that's, uh, is, it's, it, our, our, our crisis has thrown us off course and, and we become stymied in our walk with God. We start skipping church and we start skipping reading our Bible or, or whatever you do. And it, began, it begins with a subtle slow and then we ask ourselves how did I get here I'll tell you how you got there we get so distracted we begin wandering and with all the issues going on in our lives it can be very difficult to stay focused on what God really desires from us we live in a world today, Brother Brad, Sister Heather, where fear is spreading like wildfire. Pick up your newspaper. Watch the news. This is bad, and that's in turmoil, and so on, and so on, and so on, and people, they don't know what to do. They're so afraid and even though the phrase, do not be afraid, is written in the Bible 365 times, and I haven't counted them, but this is what I, 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 I pulled up 365 times. Men and women of faith are still afraid. People in the church don't want to come to church because COVID-19, run! It's going to get you. God forbid. And then the church closes down. And we do everything online, bro. I can't wait to get back to church. I'm tired of Zoom meetings. And then church opens up and look. Fear. Fear causes us to be distracted. And when we become distracted, we start wandering aimlessly. Well, I still believe in God. I'm still an apostolic. Really? What is your perception of living for God? What does that mean? Does it mean you just go around and claim you're a Christian? I did that when I was a sinner before I had the Holy Ghost. Everybody's a Christian. We live in a Christian nation. I was so far from God, I didn't have a clue what a Christian meant. But I, my label as a, someone that believed in a God never experienced the God that I claimed to believe. You see, I need, I, me, I need a personal revelation. 
an understanding of who he is. So when fear tries to creep in, I can have the strength to withstand the urge to wonder and be distracted. It takes a personal revelation. It takes a personal understanding of who God is. But it's more than that. I need to be filled with this power because crisis will come and we're just at the beginning of the crisis that's coming upon this world. It's just the beginning, my friend. I'm telling you, it's just the beginning. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 and 17 says this, When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am, that I the Son of Man am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. You gotta be somebody. And he said unto them, Wait a minute. I know what the Bible says. Uh, uh, there's so many prophets that have passed by and so many people that have done wonderful works of God. But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, or son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. The reason why I read this scripture is because fear, Brother Joe, can cause us to forget who Jesus is. It didn't take Peter long to forget. How many of us focus, how many of us focus more on the issue, the things that are, that we're going through life, the, the problems that we're experiencing in life, how much more do we focus on those issues than we do on Jesus Christ? Is Jesus just a historical figure? Is he someone that we just read in the history books? There have men that have dedicated their entire life. Reading about Jesus and studying about Jesus, but the relationship is nowhere to be found. Why? Because there is a mental part that soothes the individual. I've studied him. I know about him. I know where he lived. I know where he walked. They know all about his physical stature, but they have no understanding of his spiritual being. We do that in church, don't we? We come and learn about God, and hey, I got my fill on Sunday, and man, I'm good to go. When the heart is far from him. Or the heart, we come and we experience and we get emotional with the heart. Man, God is good and that was an awesome service, but we have no understanding, no revelation of who he really is 
but because we've never studied, we've never searched him out. Or we give ourselves physically. We try to work our way into the kingdom of God. Do it all the time. I've gave this, and I've gave that, and I've gave that, and I've gave that, and I'm, oh, he's such a great person. He, he gave his whole life, but he doesn't know who he is. Why? Because he's never had a revelation, an understanding of who Jesus really is. He was just a historical figure. I know what everybody else says about him, but who is Jesus to you? Who is he? Can you really say, really say that you know him? John chapter 1, verse 10 through 14 says, He was in the world, huh? and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own. That's powerful. Think about that. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power. The power, the grace, the, the, the power of God. God empowered them to become sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. Which were born not of blood, nor the will of man, of the will of flesh, nor the will of flesh, or nor which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It takes a birth. You can't just name it and claim it and say I'm a Christian and be part of the kingdom of God, Brother Joe. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but we need to hear this. How do I know? Because God wrote the Word of God. He wrote the Bible for us to read it ourselves and remind us of what He did for us and the goodness that God had toward His creation. I need to be reminded of it every day. God is a good God. God is merciful. God, is, God loves me. You might, you might be strong enough. I need it. I need a fresh revelation from God. And what is striking to me tonight is the disciples could not grasp the sacrifice of the cross. Yes, they were blinded to certain things. I understand that. Are we? The disciples were more interested about their worldly position than their servanthood towards their God. Mark 33, 34 says, He came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed amongst yourself by the way? And they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed amongst themselves. <laughs> Who should be the greatest? Woo. It's not about position, my friend. Never has been, never will be. And so closing, Colossians 8, Colossians 2, 8 and 9. It says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and 
vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the imperfectly developed principles of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all, everyone say all, all the fullness, all you need is him. That's all you need. Because in him you have everything else. He was the complete God manifested in human flesh. And yet even in that state, he never elevated himself. He never elevated himself. (laughs) Why? Because he never wanted flesh, you and me, to elevate ourselves. He was the body, and one day we were going to be the body, and he led as an example. It's about servanthood. It always will be about servanthood. We should never allow ourselves to be deceived by emptiness, vain deceit, wondering. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and I like this. Everyone say, we are complete. We are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and There's nothing higher than him. And if we're in him, everything, everything is under our feet. Think about that. Every crisis, everything that we're going to experience, it's all under our feet. Everything, bro. That's the God we serve. And that's the one who's in charge. Isn't God good? Why don't we stand? Let's raise our hands. Let's love him just for... I love you, mighty God. I love you, mighty God. You're so good, Jesus. And we worship you. Bless, Bless my brothers and sisters tonight, God. Those that could not be here, Lord, have your way in our lives, God. Let your power, God, flow through us, God, and help us as we go through life, Jesus. Help us to be witnesses in your mighty name. Amen. You are dismissed. Praise God.